0: Good morning. Let's stand together and let's sing to our Lord. Let's sing this together. Come behold. Come be.
1: mystery christ the lord upon the tree in the stead of ruined sinners hangs the lamb in victory
0: Good morning,
2: fellowship. Yeah, it's good to have you with us this morning. Whether you're here in person or joining us virtually, we are so glad to have you here to worship with us. And so, uh, my name is Ray. I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship Fayetteville, and I have had the privilege of following Fellowship Fayetteville from the day that we launched here on this campus until now. And one of the things that I observe about that is that long before we had a building here, long before we had any land here, we had a church in Fayetteville. And I know that because we have many fellowship ministry partners that we've had for a long time. I see some people out here today who uh, launched with those ministries 10, 15, 20 years ago. And the cool thing is that still yet today we have community groups, And families and individuals who serve with places like Loving Choices. And Loving Choices is a ministry in Fayetteville that have been around a long time, and they serve to give an opportunity for people who may not have expected to be expecting an opportunity to keep their children and raise them as their own. And they come alongside new mothers and fathers, and they give them the opportunity to learn how to raise their children and be parents. And so we get to come alongside them and make donations of, of clothing and uh, diapers and all kinds of things to their store. And then as, they, as these families, new families, go through their mentorship, they kind of earn the opportunity to shop in that store. And so we get to, uh, whether we're donating th- those items or financially or donating our time. We get to serve with them still in Fayetteville. And another opportunity that we have is called South Church. And South Church is a ministry in South Fayetteville. Primarily, well, they meet on Sunday night, every Sunday night, and primarily their congregation is the homeless of South Fayetteville. And so every Sunday night, they take an opportunity to serve those people a meal. And Fayetteville for a long time, Fellowship Fayetteville for a long time, has served every third Sunday that meal to those people. And again, we still have, to this day, families and community groups and individuals serving down in South Fayetteville with this church. And so I just wanted to take the opportunity to say thank you for continuing to be the church in Fayetteville. We have a building and we are blessed with that, but we are also able to serve out in our community and let them see the love of Jesus through our actions towards them. So if you want information about those or other ministries, take out your phone, open up your camera, hold it up to the screen. You can see this QR code and uh, it will open up to our serve page and it will give you information about those ministries and other ministries that we partner with. If you're a community group leader, you can look that up and you can encourage your group to serve uh, coming up pretty soon. And so that's how we are the church in Fayetteville. And now, uh, Mickey Rapier, our our, uh, directional leader of all fellowship, has made a video for us that tells us a little bit more about what it's like to be the church in Northwest Arkansas. So we're going to watch this video together.
3: Hello, fellowship. I have some great news for you. We are just about a year away from opening the new Bentonville campus, and we've just crossed the $15 million mark toward reaching the goal of developing this new campus and paying for it by December of 2022. We're not paying any interest on this project because of your generosity at this point. Thank you, and in this light, thank you for faithfulness in giving each week during COVID and your extraordinary generosity to the gift through the gift, we were able to donate generously to ministries locally, regionally, and globally. Today, we have three new elder candidates to present to you. We're a church led by elders, and our current board has prayerfully sought the face of God as we considered all nominees presented. Please meet your new elder candidates.
4: Hello, fellowship. My name is Ed Parrish, and my wife is Guanaco Parrish. We've been married for 36 years, and we have three children and three grandchildren. We've lived in Northwest Arkansas now for 21 years. And I remember upon our arrival, how Fellowship embraced us, and we made this our church home. I'm honored to be nominated as a candidate for elder, and it would be such a pleasure to uh, serve you here at Fellowship in that capacity.
3: Hello, Fellowship. My name is Joe Ross. I've been married to my wonderful wife, uh, Catherine Ross, for 42 years. We have four children, uh, all grown now, and seven grandchildren. I grew up in Northeast Arkansas, but we've been in Fayetteville for the past 30 years. I worked as a radiation oncologist and took care of cancer patients at both NARTI and the Highlands Oncology until I retired three years ago. I'm honored and humbled both uh, by this nomination uh, to become an elder and I look forward to serving both you and Christ in this endeavor, if elected.
2: Hello, my name is Jim Anse. I've been married to my wonderful wife, Margaret, for 36 years. We have two adult sons, Jimmy and John, and one beautiful nine-month-old granddaughter, Anna Lee. We've lived in Springdale for the past 34 years, and for all of that time, I've worked at Harps food stores, first in IT and then in finance. We've been attending fellowship for the past 27 years. I am deeply humbled and honored to be nominated as a candidate for the elder board. With God's help, I will do my best to serve you in that capacity. Thank you for your consideration and may God bless you.
3: Thank you gentlemen for your willingness to be set forth as candidates for the office of elder. It is a tremendous responsibility to be an elder at fellowship and your willingness to be considered speaks highly of your character, integrity, and walk with Christ. And now we have one more thing to ask of you, Fellowship. If you are a member of our church, between now and February 22nd, please affirm these candidates by visiting the link below and follow the instructions found there. Thank you for your prayers and for participating in the elder nomination process. This is an important, reoccurring event in the life of our church family. God bless you all.
0: Well, good morning. If you would, would you partner with us in that and um, help us with our uh, new elder nominations? We, we would appreciate you if you would do that. Uh, good morning. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're new with us, welcome. If you're with us on live stream, welcome. This morning, here's the goal for um, our time together in singing, is to allow us just to slow down and rest in the the presence of God. And so we're we're gonna sing some songs this morning um, that are familiar, and my hope is that we'll sing out. Um, I got got some stuff going on with my throat, so if you don't wanna hear me, which I would advise, then um, please sing out with us this morning. But the goal is just to slow down and to rest and to sit underneath um, the words that we're gonna sing and some scripture. And so I wanna invite you this morning, if you wanna stand, stand. If you wanna stay seated, Stay seated, Um, but I would ask you to sing with us and make a joyful noise to the Lord. And so this morning is about Him. And so I want to invite you into that space with us this morning.
1: for my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine! I can sing, all is mine yet. The sin of man that rugged. My salvation. the Savior.
0: open this
4: Father, this morning, we come to you in gratitude and thankfulness. Thanks that when we saw the snowfall this week, we got a picture of what it means, what it looks like to see our sins just covered. With the privilege of seeing the ground just covered up as far as the eye could see, nothing but white. Thank you that that's what Jesus has done for us and our sins and God, we come before you this morning. We say our, our strength indeed is small, but yet we look to you. We thank you for your presence in our lives. And we thank you for our Savior, your Son. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Y'all may have a seat. Well, welcome out. It's good to have you out of the house with us this morning. My wife and I decided to venture out on Friday as soon as it was just beginning to melt, to go on a little date, and it was an hour. Every single place that we went to try to eat dinner, an hour away, I think everyone was really tired of being cooped up inside the house, and so it's great to have you guys with us this morning. Thanks for, thanks for coming to church. We're going to continue in our series through Joshua. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 5 and chapter 6 in Jericho this morning if you want to grab your Bibles. But uh, I want to ask you, if you ever had this experience before, not everyone has, but uh, you might have, have you ever had that, that moment where your life flashed before your eyes? Ever been in one of those situations where everything either slowed way, way, way down or it sped up and literally your life flashed before your eyes and, and you have that thought running through your mind Maybe this is the end for me. This, this might actually truly be it. I'm not so sure what's gonna happen after this moment. I've had one of those experiences about eight to 10 years ago uh, when I was working in student ministry. We used to take students out to Colorado every summer. And we would hang out in Estes Park for a week. And on the last day of the week, we would always go kind of down into the town and, and the students would do some shopping. And I got really tired of those cheap t-shirt stores in Estes Park. And so some friends of mine and I, we decided to do something a little different. We'd done this a couple years. We got some big inflatable uh, tire tubes, and we filled them up, and we decided that we were going to raft down the river that flowed through Estes Park. And so this is the middle of the summer. This is all snowmelt, so the water's cold, but it's this kind of crazy, fun kind of guy adventure thing that we would do. And we would go up to the top of the town, and we would kind of put it in this little park, and you would float down the river. Now, it it was kind of tricky the way that you would navigate this little section here. You would kind of put your tube in the water, you'd hop in, and then there was a wall to your left. And there was a big water wheel to your right, and then there were two chutes that you had to navigate. It was better to go down the left-hand side because you would get stuck on the right-hand side, so you kind of had to navigate towards the left. And so uh, this is what this looks like. This is a picture that we have here from Estes Park. And so what I did is I hopped on my tube. I tried to make my way to the left-hand side to make sure that I went kind of down that chute. Well, I went too quickly and too aggressively and I bounced off the wall and I found myself heading back towards that big giant water wheel. Now, we have had people who've done this before who's like, whose feet have gone underneath it, but I found myself bouncing off of the wall and literally squared up face to face with this water wheel coming right down the center of my body. Now, I should have just jumped off my tube at that moment. But in these moments, everything just kind of quits working in your mind. I just kind of froze. And I found myself getting sucked into the water wheel and I did anything that I could. I literally just grabbed it with my hands and it pushed me underneath the water wheel. And I found myself going, is this it? Is this my last day? Am I gonna get stuck underneath this wheel? And you start having like those, like they literally. I'm thinking about my wife. I'm thinking about my three small children. Thinking about like they're never going to see their father again. What am I going to do? I thought I was under there for like you know minutes at a time. It was probably two or three seconds, and I find myself just stuck underneath this water wheel. One, two, three. The tube popped and it shot me out the other side, and all of a sudden I'm going. I cannot believe that this just happened. I thought this might be the end for me. God was gracious. I'm obviously still here. But I found myself having that moment kind of going, maybe this is the end for me. Maybe, maybe this is it. See, we're going to look at a story today. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 6. This is where they're going to find themselves between the Jordan River And the military outpost of Jericho, probably asking themselves the question, is this it for us? I'm not so sure we're going to make it past this day. So grab your Bibles. We're going to look at Joshua, start at the end of chapter 5, and then we're going to look at chapter 6. And and here's going to kind of be our our framework for this, kind of two ideas. Uh, Part 1, we're going to see the command of the Lord. The command of the Lord. Then part two, we're going to see the concern for God's people. Those are going to kind of be our two pieces to our text this morning. Joshua chapter 5 and 6. So here's where we begin. Joshua chapter 5, verses uh, 13. Uh, Joshua is, is taking a walk. He's looking around. He's out by himself, and here's what happens. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand, and Joshua went up to him and asked him, are you for us, or are you for our enemies? So so Joshua, like a lot of leaders do, he's going out, he's probably scouting the situation, and he's probably just gathering his thoughts. That's what leaders do. Sometimes they pull themselves away, and they find themselves trying to just kind of get their thoughts together. He's by himself, and he encounters this figure, and he asks him this question. Are you with them, or are you with us? Neither, he replied. I'm not with them, and I'm not with you. So obviously Joshua is confused about this. What do you mean? And then, as the commander of the Lord's army, he says this. As the commander of the Lord's army, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servants? So he encounters this man. He's wondering why he's there. Are you on their side or are you on our side? And he says, neither. Which basically means, I'm not on your side or their side. I'm on my side. And I'm going to ask you, are you with me? It's not, are you asking me, am I with you? But are you instead with me because I'm the commander of the Lord's army? And Joshua fell face down in reverence. Take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You see, different commentators think that this, this figure, this commander of the Lord's army, could potentially be three different people. It could be an angel. With a special kind of commission or job sent on behalf of God. It could be God Himself who who descended in such a way that He was visible uniquely in this way to Joshua. Or it could be Jesus Himself, the, the pre incarnate Logos before He took on flesh. This is what I tend to believe. But either way, there was a a, a spiritual, holy figure that Joshua came encounter with who was asking him the question, are you with me? Because I'm in charge here. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Uh, Quick confession moment. I I think as a people and as a church, uh, we would do well to have more of this Old Testament Reverence in our life. I feel in the same way that that Moses, when he encountered the, the burning bush, and Joshua here, when he uh, talks to the commander of the Lord's army, we would do well in our church and our culture to have more of this kind of reverence for God. Oftentimes, we think of God as, as our friend, God is a little more cuddly. He's a little more warm. He he sometimes gives us what we need, but we see specifically in the Old Testament, oftentimes God is mighty and he is powerful. And he's frightening in such a way that you fall down on your face and he has power and this authority. And so for us as people, let's not lose sight of this Old Testament idea of reverence that we see. So Joshua finds himself in this moment as a good leader, but he's, he's out trying to assess the situation and potentially figure out a way to defeat Jericho on his own. He's all by himself, and what he did is he encountered a God who said, you know what? You're not out on your own. I'm actually with you. The question is, are you now going to be with me? As you guys uh, go and lead and, and begin to try to head up into this military battle that you're going to face. So here we go, Joshua chapter six. This great story that we've all heard as kids. Oftentimes we think of this place, this this Jericho. Anybody have the Veggie Tales in their mind? Remember this one? It's classic, it was great. Here we go, Joshua chapter six. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites and no one went out and no one came in. So this is a military outpost. It's not a giant city with tens of thousands of people. It's a military outpost. The place it's located is strategic for military purposes. So Joshua and the Israelites find themselves between the Jordan River to their east and Jericho to the west. And if they are going to uh, take the promised land to walk into Canaan, they're going to have to defeat this army at Jericho. And then there's another military outpost further to their west called I. We're gonna see that next week. And then they would go up into the hill country and then you can enter into the land that way. So they had no choice. And this military outpost was there on purpose. And it was securely barred like they had built walls and they'd closed the gates because there was obviously an army there to take them on. This is probably what it would have looked like. Now I know whenever you're a child, everything seems bigger. Have you ever gone back into your childhood room and realized how much smaller it feels? It's because you were like three or five or seven, and you get big, and everything kind of gets to its normal size. So we're not talking hundreds of feet of walls here, but definitely double digits. So they would have had this outer wall section, And then some houses and some people would have lived next, in that kind of middle part there, that's where Rahab would have been. Then there was a further defense wall for the main part of the city. It's kind of these multiple tiers up the hill. This is what Jericho would have looked like. And then in verse 2, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. How many of you in here would consider yourself a sarcastic person? Can I see a show of hands? Your love language is sarcasm. That's how you speak and orient yourself to life. I want you to be affirmed that God has some sarcasm at times. Okay, Be affirmed in who you are. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. That seems like an awfully strange statement. These were people who'd been wandering around in the desert. They didn't have siege engines. They didn't have the ability to climb walls. They didn't have the ability to take on these fortified cities and these gates. And yet God says, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. It's a very strange statement, but he's the commander of the army and Joshua and his men are with him. And so here are the instructions that he gives them. He says, March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the, with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them give a sound and a long blast, the whole army will give a shout and the walls of the city will collapse. The army will go up. These are the instructions that they have been given. Very strange instructions. This is what they are told to do. This is how they're going to defeat this military outpost, this city, in order to be able to gain access into the land that is promised to them. And sometimes the things that they are told don't make any sense. Now I'm a child of the 80s. One of the greatest 80s movies, of course, is The Karate Kid. And think about it this way. The, the, the kind of uh, plot of this story, you have Daniel, you have Mr. Miyagi. And Daniel is being bullied by these other peers of his, and so he goes to Mr. Miyagi to train him. He says, I want to learn how to defend and how to fight. And so Mr. Miyagi, in the first day, he tells him what? Wax the car. The second day, he tells him what? Sand the floor. The third day, he tells him what? Paint the fence. Wax the car, sand the floor, paint the fence. And Daniel finally is fed up with this. He finally reaches this point. He goes, this is stupid. Why are you asking me to do this? All you have me do is your chores and your busy work. Mr. Miyagi squares him up in kind of one of the big kind of middle scenes. He says What? Show me, wax the car. Show me, sand the floor. Show me, paint the fence. And what he didn't understand, he didn't understand his training. He didn't understand what he was being asked to do. But at the end, it all made sense. And he goes on and he fights and and wins at the end. He didn't understand what was being asked of him. It didn't make sense at the time what was being required. You see, the people of God, they're being asked to display faith in their leader, in the commander, and, and God Almighty, who is going to go before him, march around the city, blow the trumpets, the walls are gonna fall down. This doesn't make any sense. And yet God was preparing them for a life of following him and being his people. So look, Joshua commanded the army, do not give a war cry, don't raise your voices, don't say a word until the day I tell you, and then and then you will shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, and they did this for six days. For six days, they walked around Jericho. Now, Again, back to our idea, like we have these ideas as kids of what this probably would have looked like. Most commentators, most historians think that Jericho, I I have always thought of it like this huge, massive city and you have to walk all the way around it. Most people think that Jericho was about 10 acres, it was a military outpost. That's about how big this place probably was. Now, how big is 10 acres? We were sitting around as staff kind of in one of our planning meetings, and I said, Hey, about how big is the church, like this whole area that we've kind of developed. And Kyle McCarthy, he's on staff, most brilliant guys we have. He he pulls up Google Maps and he he puts together this picture. And this is this is all of Fellowship Fayetteville. So we have 27 acres, and about 10 of it is what we have paid and developed. That's how much about space we have here. So, if you think of Jericho, it's about as big as our whole fellowship fable space. That's paved in this area. It takes about twenty-five or thirty minutes to walk around. That's it. And so this army would gather up, and they would put the priests in the front, and the trumpets, they would carry the ark. They'd have these military men, and they would walk for thirty minutes. They would go back to their camp. Do you think they felt silly? They took a 30-minute stroll blowing trumpets, but they did it in faith. They did it because they had been commanded to do this. And so then, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around when the priest shouted, the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So, seven priests blew seven trumpets. On the seventh day, they took seven circuits around the wall. Do you think that God is a God of order and precision? You see, God cares about details. This is the the biblical number of perfection. And the trumpets that they were blowing, these were jubilee trumpets. And the, the purpose of the jubilee trumpets in the kind of the history of the people of God was they would blow these trumpets to announce a feast. They'd blow the trumpets to announce the feast that they were about to eat together. And they were declaring the presence of God being amongst his people. So the priests are going out and they are blowing trumpets declaring the presence of God and then the Ark of the Covenant was going out before the men who were fighting. And they were bringing with them the Ark, the, the, the representation of the presence of God going before his people. Was God leading them? Of course. Were they involved as well? Absolutely. Absolutely this is that partnership that companionship of of God leading his people and his people faithfully following him with what they've been commanded to do you see god was with his people he was before his people he was commanding his people but his presence was with them a word of caution a word of caution on this story as we look at it here This is not a story about God going before us, about God going before his people and taking down all the the difficult, hard things that stand before them. This is not a story of declaring God is going to take out all those challenges and difficulties that you and I have in our life. This isn't something where you just are gonna wake up one day and the debt that you owe... The financial debt you owe is just gone. We don't just say, hey, you know, God is the God who's going to just take out everything, take out all of our debt. We don't just get to wake up on a Saturday having lost 50 pounds and magically have abs. Abs don't work that way, I'm sorry. We don't just find ourselves going, hey, God's going to guarantee he's going to go before us and land that next big account or that client. See, we are naturally given towards, and our culture says, hey, we want the shortcut. We want something easy, we want something quick. Take this pill, borrow this money, this trip will make you happy. Hey, God's just going to be this shortcut who's going to take things out that are difficult in our way. This story, the story is about God going before us. And being the one in our whole entire lives, he goes before us, and what he asks of us is that we faithfully follow him. That's the the message of this story. That he is the true leader, he is the commander. He goes before us, and then we, we get to faithfully follow him. It's this partnership. You see, we act in faith because of the promises and power of God. That's so what Joshua and the people did. They were involved. This isn't a situation as, as, as the people of God, as we've sung about how we are people who put our faith in Christ. We don't just sit back and let God do everything. We also don't go out before him and try to live this life on our own. No, he goes before us, but we also act. We also participate in our lives, but we act in faith because of the promises and the power of Of God. But in this story, in this story what we see is not just God in charge of this uh, military moment, but he's truly in charge of his people because of what he says to them next. He says in verse 17, this is his part where we're going to see the the concern that he has for his people. He's going to give them more instructions. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies. But he gives him this warning, keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. All the silver and gold, the articles, are sacred to the Lord. See, there's this concern that God has for his people that, that once they encounter, once they see that they have achieved victory here, at Jericho, that their hearts will immediately go back to the things that they want. And God says, listen, I'm going to show concern in two different ways. God says, I'm concerned about the people who still need to be rescued. Don't neglect Rahab and make sure that she is safe but I'm concerned about your heart. These things, the things, the spoils that they would find here at Jericho are not to be yours, they're to be devoted to the Lord. Now, God can show concern in both of these ways. Think about it this way. I had a concern this week for my friends in Texas. We have some good friends in Texas. They lost power, they lost heat. A lot of their water was frozen. I was concerned for their well-being. Are you guys okay? are you guys safe? I was concerned about them as people. I also have teenage drivers. And my kids wanted to drive their own cars this week and go sledding. And I had a concern as a dad. I'm like, I want to warn you about what it's like to drive on snow and ice. This is what you have to be careful of. This is what you have to avoid and look out for. See, God is concerned about the people he wants to rescue. He's also concerned about his people and the way in which their heart might find itself drawn towards something else. This was the warning that the people were given at the beginning of Joshua when he said, be strong and courageous as you are going into this land. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. And then he says, do not turn to the right or to the left. As you guys go into Jericho, don't turn to the right or to the left. Don't find yourself trying to acquire for you the stuff. Because this, is, this moment is about you faithfully following God. And so here we go. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted the sound of the trumpet. When, they gave, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. And they devoted the things as they had been told to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. They did what they were commanded to do. Uh, they faithfully followed the orders of God who is going before them. But, gotta, but I got to be honest, I struggle with some of this part of the Bible right here. They destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. See, sometimes. For me, there are parts of my faith where where I don't understand the scriptures. Like as, as a modern reader of this, I have difficulty sometimes with passages like this. Sometimes there are things that I just have to accept by faith that I don't understand what God was doing. And then sometimes we have other passages, other scriptures that help us understand and explain something that is difficult, that they were told to go in to literally kill everyone and everything in this city. Well, if you reverse back into Deuteronomy, when they were literally at this exact same place a generation before, they were given these instructions. Deuteronomy chapter nine. You're about to go across the Jordan, go in and dispossess a a nation greater than you with large cities that have walls up to the sky. But be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. He will destroy them. And then it says... After the Lord has driven them out before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession because of my righteousness. No, on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness or integrity, but God is gonna accomplish what he swore. You see, these were people that God was enacting judgment upon. They worshiped other gods they participated in, in gross sacrifices and practices as a people. And God chose as the leader to enact judgment upon them. That is his choice. That is his position as God Almighty. And so we know that God goes before us, but God also is a God of judgment. And the truth of the matter is, for every single one of us, we What we deserve is actually the judgment that God brings. What we deserve is the judgment for our idolatry and for our sin. But instead, Jesus in our place as we were singing, what Jesus did is he took our place. He, He went outside the city and Jesus was put to death in our place. Judgment was upon him instead of being upon us. And now now we actually get to be led by the Lord in the presence of God and we get to be with him and used by him. All because Christ took on the judgment that God was to give to us. And so we see, the Lord was with Joshua. His faithfulness, God's faithfulness in the life of Joshua led him past that moment where he thought it could be his last. He got to participate on behalf of God and what God was doing for his people. It wasn't something that he stood back and watched God do on his own. It wasn't something that he did by himself. He got to participate and be a part of what God was doing. And so we too, our church, a men and women who get the privilege of having the presence of God in our lives and the power of God working in us and through us in such a way that we are not a people who sit. We're a people that God has called into his great story that says, for my name and for my kingdom, I'm gonna go before you. The question is, will you act in faith in whatever it is that God is asking of you is a privilege to be the people of God. May we have the courage to act. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the redemption. Thank you for the story that we get to be a part of God, may our hearts not turn to the right or to the left, but may they be focused on you and your presence at all times. May we be a people of action and full of courage. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: Let's stand together and sing this in response. Great
1: is thy faithfulness O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changes not; Thy compassions they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou for
4: Fellowship, he has been oh so faithful to us. The question is, are we devoting ourselves, devoted to be, to be set apart uniquely for the Lord's purposes? Are our lives devoted to the Lord in such a way that we act on behalf of him through his strength and through his power as the people of God in our lives, in our homes, in this church, and in our communities? to become the messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's been great to have you with us this morning. If you need prayer, to my left, to your right is our prayer room. Or if you need to share a story about the faithfulness of God, we would love to hear that as well. Thanks so much for worshiping with us this morning. We love you all. We'll see you next week.